blood is that? Is that your blood? No. Fuck you, man. Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. And our goal here is to help indie horror filmmakers by talking about what's going on out there, highlighting what other people are doing and how they're doing it, and giving you the tools to get your projects done. And of course, we want more people watching these projects too. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the cool projects and films and everything that we see that's going on out there. And hopefully between the filmmakers and fans, we're giving you more stuff and putting things on your radar and... Uh, keeping the flow of content and horror going and if that sounds good to you go to deadharvey.com uh please join our e-newsletter follow us on social media subscribe to the podcast and we want to hear from you uh tell us what you want us to talk about tell us what you think we are open to ideas and other things so uh you can go to deadharvey.com and find our email address or just contact us through there so uh today well, we haven't talked about crowdfunding in a while, and it's something that I think is always on our radar because it's a, it is a good tool for indie filmmakers. It's something that a lot of people are afraid of. But I was thinking of an angle with it today because there's been a couple, what's on my radar, and maybe we can talk about these two things. Uh, one, I just read this week that Amazon has purchased MGM. Which yeah, is, that's crazy. Yeah. It's super crazy. I mean, and there was this worry online, of course, that, I mean, Amazon, obviously, although I think they do get some sort of theatrical releases, let's be honest, they're trying to get people to sign up for Prime. That's what they're doing. And uh, there was a worry of like, oh, they now own the James Bond franchise and James Bond needs to be theatrical. Yeah, they want to be one studio to rule them all, them and Disney, basically. Yeah, and then Netflix is up there as well. And yeah. it, 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 it just came, there's a lot of stuff online about it too, about how, I mean, and who's kidding who? Everything, there's going to be these small windows of, of theatrical experiences, like, and it's going to be owned by Marvel and, 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 and big tentpole movies. But realistically, everything's going to be streaming. Mm-hmm. Like everything. And, and it's, and it's going to shift away too from, like right now I've talked to a lot of filmmakers who are are not getting picked up by a Netflix or Tubi. They're, they're, they're having to do it themselves. They put it on iTunes or, or, or Amazon and it's all transactional and they have to do, they're taking on marketing themselves to try to make a buck per download or whatever it is that they're yeah. getting at the end of it. It's a, it's a bit of a shit show. And we are in the middle. It just made me think that we were in the middle of this massive switch that honestly, most people haven't figured out, but it, it basically, we, the end game here is that almost everything for indie filmmakers in particular is going to be streaming. So MGM currently has James Bond, Wizard of Oz, and then a couple of other movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they got to be behind it mostly for the James Bond catalog. And I think that I saw the price was something like $8 billion. $8 billion. I mean, yeah. it is the entire catalog. Like, yeah, like MGM yeah. owns a pile of content, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. But for them to now put that all on, mm-hmm. uh, they own all that intellectual property now. Yeah. And it's all coming to Amazon. So, I mean, and so the other thing that has been on my radar, and this is why uh, I was telling you about it, and you're like, huh, what? But, but NFTs. Yeah. So for people like me, um, that like in layman's terms, like that just uh, at their day job, dream about uh, ice cream and beer. 
What does <laughs> NFT stand for? <laughs> What's stands, like the simplest way to break it down to people? Yeah, it's, it stands for non-fungible token because okay. the, the blockchain creates these token and non-fungible, I believe, basically means that it's finite. It's, it's, okay. they're, they're, they're creating value by exclusivity. And if you, I'll go right to basics and I'm not a technical guy when it comes to this, but I kind of understand what's going on because there's been a bunch of filmmakers now that are releasing their films and content as NFTs. So in a nutshell, there's the blockchain, which everyone knows about because that's Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's all these different sort of blockchain technologies. And one of them is called uh, Ethereum. And Ethereum, you can build on top of it. And so NFTs are built on top of it. It's almost like Internet 3.0. So, yeah. But what it does is it creates this these contracts and, and smart um, stuff behind it. And NFTs started not that long ago, but it started with like crypto kitties and then NBA Topshop blew it up. And they were basically selling digital basketball cards. Yeah. But they were going for like tens of thousands of dollars. Like they, they, they're auctioned. But what, what's interesting about them is that it's basically a digital file, the NFT. So it, it's, it's a digital file. It's going to have a picture like a card, but it comes with stuff. And certain guys, Kevin Smith, who's like the king of indie film, is releasing his next film as an NFT. Yeah, he's always been way ahead of the curve on different ways that he releases his movies. And he's also been way ahead of the curve on, you know, getting into podcasting and other things like that way before yeah. a lot of other people had jumped on them. And I remember, like, I was reading this interview that you sent me with him about the NFTs where he was saying, like, um, I always go places where other people don't go. Sort of reminded me, like, this this quote that's from the movie. Well, it was like an interview with Charles Bukowski. And the guy was asking him, like, you know, why do you go hang out at, like, these dive bars and all these other places that aren't popular? He goes, well, I go... I see where most people are going. I don't want to be there. I want to be in the opposite situation. So I go to the places where most people don't go. And those are the most interesting things to me. And then eventually those kind of things become discovered later, later and then become popular. And then you got to find somewhere else to go. But that seems to be kind of like how he's been bobbing and weaving his distribution for movies ever since, you know, like Red State, where he distributed that himself, where he had the meeting with all the people. And he's like, well, I'm just going to distribute this myself. And he pissed all of them off. And then, uh, you know, the podcasting and all these other things that he started on there, doing like these exhibits where he takes movies on the roads and does like a road show for and then charges more to have like a Q&A and see the movie in person and meet him and all these other kind of things like that. But he's he's always been way ahead of the curve on new kind of forms of getting your movie out there. Yeah. And he's and, and he's true. He has an indie mentality. He doesn't have this. He has this bottom up mentality when it comes to his films, as opposed to top down, like a Universal or a, a Disney is going to be like hold on a sec, we have a board and we have stakeholders and how are we going to do this to maximize blah, blah, you know, whatever it might be. Whereas he's kind of like, Hey, I'm still nimble. I'm still this little guy. Like what's out there. Let me experiment. Yeah. And there are a bunch of people using it. So what's interesting about an NFT is so within that digital, there's a lot of technology behind that, but what happens is it, it's finite. So basically that's what that blockchain thing does. He's like, well, I'm only going to send out a hundred of, of my film. Uh, but what ends up happening is they buy and trade. So now once one person buys it, he can now sell it to someone else. And every time it changes hands and the price goes up, Kevin Smith is getting a royalty. Mm -hmm. That's how these NFTs work. So in 10 years from now, if someone decides if I give it to you and I sell it to you for a hundred bucks, well, Kevin Smith's getting 10 bucks on that transaction. Yeah. So it's more ownership of the IP long-term. And, and and what you can do is you can add things like, I think he's saying, it's like, well, you get a ticket to the film when it comes out as a part of it. You get, uh, I'm going to do web webinars and things. So he basically attaches a bunch of things with the NFT. So it's a full package. It's not just the movie. And 
what's interesting and how I how I'm tying this into the crowdfunding thing is it's like if people think more about like if we look at those two examples of what's going on, I'm kind of tying this all together here. Mm-hmm. Amazon buying MGM and who's kidding who Netflix is going to go buy someone else next. Right. Like, yeah. These, oh yeah. Yeah. These streaming platforms are picking these up because they want all the intellectual property. We're all going to be living in the streaming world. So we're all going to be fighting for space within this digital streaming realm. You've got the, the internet, which is basically yeah, Netflix and Amazon. These are all internet companies. And then you're going to have NFTs coming where it's a different way within ownership. It's just a different way to own your intellectual property. But what you're going to have to learn to do, which I like about crowdfunding, is how to nurture your own audience. Like you're going to have to, like, this is, it's going to go on the filmmaker. People, it's like, with the, you remember like the music industry or the film industry, you made a film, gave it to the studio and they handled marketing. They were they're like, yeah, we got mm-hmm. it from now on. It was basically a deliverable, but that's all going to change. And I think all the indie filmmakers need to think now, like. I need to build my own audience because that's, and that's what crowdfunding is. The skills you would learn on crowdfunding are the skills you're going to need now just by putting a film out there. Like if you think you're just going to upload a film to iTunes and everyone's going to buy it just because it's there, it's not going to happen. So you look at all this stuff and uh, a couple of family members might buy it if they like you. Yeah. Well, what's funny is I've I've talked with some filmmakers and they kind of realize that only goes so far. Right. (laughs) and, And literally I've worked with producers, reps and, 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 you know, different people within the industry and these indie distributors. And they honestly, that's their advice. It's like, okay, now that it's going out on Amazon, what do I do? It's like, okay, well, send an email to all your family and friends, tell them to go pre-buy it. Uh, and then if they have enough people pre-buy it, it it'll trigger their algorithm to, to move it up in the listings. And then hopefully if enough people pre-buy it, you might make a few, a few bucks off it. For indie filmmakers out there, and that's really, you know, where I think we're at is we're in this swing to, to do to new things, new new formats, new new stuff, and already what worked two years ago isn't working now to get your film out there, right? And uh, it's something to explore. I mean, re- realistically, you can go NFT, just Google NFT, uh, look it up, <clears throat> or read read on how Kevin Smith is doing it. There's a couple other guys. There's a couple documentary films that are doing it. Um, uh, and it, they're attaching all this behind the scenes content within it and stuff, but it's going to be inter- in my head. I'm like, well, this is internet 3.0. It's the next version of it. And this is going to be a new mm-hmm. distribution platform. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. It seems to me like a way that you could sort of model your own kind of studio slash distribution system catered to kind of like what you want it to be like and how to get it out there and what people control about it and all that, you know? Yeah. And now to tie it back, I mean, the one thing that's really cool, about horror and and let's be honest like we're, we we indie horror is is kind of our thing um what's cool about horror is it, it's very easy to build an audience because people there already is an audience that wants to see horror right like and and so like moving it over we were looking at at, at two crowdfunding movies to talk about and, and and the one that i'm looking at is this guy has now run two th- two crowdfunding campaigns and his big hook was the fact that he got uh lisa wilcox from uh nightmare on elm street and we're not even talking uh uh the main uh, main character she was in like was she like nightmare four in four or five something like that or? four but this is what i mean this is why horror is so freaking awesome right in, in that like literally it, it can be yeah so this guy's raised like $50,000. He's got like 500 backers. And the thing is, if someone's going to back your project, if you're going to create an email and, and I mean, realistically, the reason we want to create a, a, a list of uh, emails and have followers is because one day it'd be cool to be able to make films happen just by having your own audience. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and so 
what makes horror pretty cool is the fact that you can you can you can it's not like a drama or a comedy where you better get some sort of a lister a b lister a c lister a d lister in horror can really move the needle for you like no offense to 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 lisa wilcox but you know the fact that we're hanging our hat on the fact that we were in nightmare on elm street 4 full credit it's a great movie not my favorite of of the nightmare on elm street three is my favorite actually i love three dream warriors is is personally my favorite yeah uh but so this guy josh you know signs her up he's done two campaigns behind it he's getting all these things like he's it's the women of the house calendar he's giving away autographed cast photos hey you can be in the film uh you know all this i mean i get it that people are scared of crowdfunding but this is the way you got to think when you're when you're embarking on getting a film done it can't be just like hey i raised money to do it how are you going to do it how are you going to create interest but this ties in with that marketing yourself online digitally or, or what maybe nfts are, are, are a way to go when you attach all this stuff i think it's just very it's cool to look at this stuff so the whole thing is that where my that's where my head was at with amazon buying yeah. mgm and nfts and kevin smith distributing his movie and it just made me think about all this big switch but i do think even though crowdfunding has been around for a long time uh, that it's going to have this heyday or at least the tools and, and, and the way to think about raising money and building an audience uh, those tools are on display when it comes to crowdfunding and people need to think like that. So now to yeah. get on to something a little more fun, I mean, l- let's talk about the two projects we found on crowdfunding and what we like about them. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick oh. before that was that, um, so I think uh, in a way, like if let's say you don't have an established audience, you use somebody mm-hmm. like Lisa Wilcox will bring you an established audience. So instead of, so if you haven't like built yourself up on like a large YouTube platform or anything else like that, the way to bypass that would be to get somebody like an Atmar Elm Street star to bring that to your crowdfunding campaign to give you a much better shot at getting cash for it. And then, so that's, that's definitely what works about there if you don't have an established audience yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, Kevin Smith, his movie is a low budget horror movie. Kilroy was here, low budget mm-hmm. indie horror movie starring Chris Jericho. And you know, actually, I mean, and Kevin Smith likes his, I mean, likes his indie horror. Like, what's Oh yeah, he your, does. Yeah. He's been a horror fan for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like Walrus, mm-hmm. uh, which is, what did he call it walrus the one where uh, uh tusk yeah. tusk yeah tusk is like and it's part of his trilogy and, and the, the, uh, his what did he call it it's his hockey it's his his like what, like his great north trilogy but i think yeah it's the great north name for it yeah yeah he's yeah. got a name for it but it's his great north trilogy but he's always been into it and it's interesting that he did pick it as the one to distribute as an nft now granted yeah. kevin smith can take risks that you know you know we can't uh when it goes to this but I like that. That's why indie horror is so good. If you have just one little hook, you can build an audience around it. Like, like Lisa Wilcox. And a lot of these guys are accessible. Like all you need is an IMDb pro account. Look for an old horror film, find some of the guys in it. They're accessible. You can find these guys and and, and they'll be in your film. Yeah. Lisa Wilcox actually still looks pretty damn good. Like 30 years later or whatnot. That'd be at least 30 years later. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, well, no, it's 1990. 30 years is like 1990. But I mean, anyhow, I mean, I do, you have to think like that. Like, what Mm -hmm. do I have? What do I, what can I bring to the table? And indie horror works so well for it because it it could be as like this one, uh, I might as well get into this one that I found that Lisa Wilcox said the the, the film is called The House That Eats Flesh and it's got Lisa Wilcox. He's raised, I think, $40,000 between a couple of campaigns, which, hey man, you're, you're on your way to making an an indie horror uh, with that. There's a couple things I like about it. One, it takes place over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Always like picking a holiday is always kind of a good 
thing. And we, we, we've talked about thanks killing before. Yeah. As I say, they're going to be in competition with that killer Turkey puppet movie, but they may have a chance. Yeah. Well, I think about now there's tons of Christmas horror. There's always Mm -hmm. lots of Halloween horror. Yeah. You know, a lot of holidays are taken. Thanksgiving is there's some ruined things. It's still pretty much untapped. Yeah. For horror. Well, they've done a lot of comedies, but not a lot of horror. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I like the fact that it's that it's takes place during Thanksgiving because, you know, hey, going on a holiday, it's like, hey, every Thanksgiving, we got to sit around and watch the house that eats flesh. Uh, but it's all <laughs> a new tradition. Yes. Yeah, new tradition. We watch the, the double billing of Thanksgiving and the house that eats flesh. Yeah. Every Thanksgiving. Uh, but I also love the fact that he's paying homage to 70s and 80s horror films. So he's using the same practical horror effects that they used back then for like, so it's going to be uh he calls it sov grindhouse films shot on video film so he's he's, yeah. he's he's keeping this look and feel of seven and 80s horrors he's going to film it in that way he's got an 80s 90s horror girl in it um and he promises lots of boobs blood and gore uh i mean all the that's whole, always a bonus it always is a bonus and and, and then he's got all these he's got these cool um Cool perks that go with it. The the, the poster is very 70s, 80s horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, so a lot of it, I mean, it's just, to me, it's like, it's not, I don't want to take anything away from it, but it's like, okay, you've got a concept. It's around a holiday. So good. You've got that little anchor. You're mm-hmm. doing a 70s and 80s throwback. So you get a 70s or 80s star, put it in it, package it all up around an idea, and now go out there and, and, and pound the pavement and, and get some interest. And now you've built an audience, you've raised some money, and you're on your way. Yeah, absolutely. It's also an homage to trauma, an homage to the 80s and trauma with all the blood, boobs, and guts you can stomach. Yeah, and I like that he calls out trauma out of, out of, <laughs> yeah. out of everything that's in there. But actually, trauma, and when he says shot on video films, it's really trauma he's looking at. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. For what sure. is that? Like, if you remember, like, Trauma's War. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Surf Nazis Must Die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a bunch of those actually oh the classics go on for for days yeah yeah but i'm trying to think which uh, class of newcomb high uh well oh, the, oh, the, oh redneck zombies i believe was shot oh redneck zombies early, definitely yeah, shot. Ones. yeah yeah that was <laughs> one of the first shot. ones i remember in our video store yeah by the way I, I i can actually say right now this is the first time i've heard sov like as an acronym is oh i've heard that before for, for a while yeah but it was it was used quite a bit like when the mini dv format came out but you haven't mm-hmm. heard it so much as, as lately, but yeah. No, I, yeah, but SO is pretty funny because they don't call film SOF. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but hey, I mean, so to, to, to tie that all together, when you look at all this stuff, if we're going online and you need mm-hmm. to build an audience, I mean, that's really, you got to break through. You got to think like these influencers and think like these marketers. You're going online, you're creating an audience. I like exactly what this guy's doing. He's picked a niche. He's picked an homage that's going to attract an audience. They're like, yeah. oh, fuck yeah, I want to see some more of that shit. He's got a star that makes sense. And it looks like he's doing well on it. So, like, uh, good on yeah. him. Good on him. It's something I'm going to follow. But uh, check it out. Uh, and uh, definitely worthwhile. Yeah, if you're looking for a trauma star for your movie, probably not a good idea to use Ron Jeremy because he's in jail now. Yeah, uh, I I was it was funny. I was looking at a lot. It's funny that a lot of who's I was reading about one indie horror, and then I was like, oh man, yeah, whatever happened with that guy? And I was like, oh, he he went to jail for sexual uh, misconduct. Okay, well, we're not going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, having said, well, he'll that, be I, on the other end of sexual misconduct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's go. I know you had a crowdfunding. All right, that too. would be sexual conduct if you're in jail. So it'd yeah. be that would just That's, be sort of the norm. 
It's just a matter of fact. It's just conduct. Unless you know how to make some really good prison wine and get yourself out of that. But anyways. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too familiar. I've only done, uh, I haven't done too much jail time. So I'm not familiar with uh, the formalities in there. But yeah, I would, I would assume if you have, if you could create value mm-hmm. in prison somehow, yeah. <laughs> that's not in a sexual conduct <laughs> way, that yeah. you might be able to get yourself out of the, out of that. But I don't know. I couldn't actually detail that in the movie. Let's go to prison. Hmm. The guy who well. makes prison wine does well. Okay. Anyways, um, so here's my pick: um, Hellboy's creator Mike Mignola, a documentary film. So this is basically a documentary about uh, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy, and it's called Drawing Monsters. Mike Mignola drawing monsters, and they've raked in some serious cash for this. They've already got five hundred thirty thousand nine hundred fifty-two dollars by four thousand six hundred eighty-six backers. So this is um, this is closed, but it's called. Uh, What's the name for it when just they keep closed, getting more it, money it, after after it's closed? It's called yeah. like uh, in demand or something like that, or yeah. So once it's closed, and I think it recently closed. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. even. It's a fairly new campaign, mm-hmm. but they're keeping it going so you can still get the perks, which is super smart on their part. Yeah. Like like if you're going to have a project and you know people are going to continue to be interested in it, continue to get money for it. I mean, you're going to use it. Yeah. Now this was now this is kind of cool because they have a whole bunch of people that they interview in here, like. Uh, Professors of uh, comic and cartoon studies. That's the business I should have gone into. And then uh, Adam Savage, host of Mythbusters. Uh, Mike Richardson, founder of Dark Horse Comics. Gilmore Del Toro, director of Hellboy, Hellboy. 2 and Hellboy and all, all kinds of other awesome movies. Patton Oswalt, uh, Neil Gaiman uh, from American Gods. Uh, Joe Quesada from Marvel Comics. So there's quite, and then Doug Jones, who plays... Uh, so uh, is the it main more about... star in Grinding Nemo, aka The Shape of Water, also Guillermo uh, <laughs> del Toro's movie. <laughs> so, so Grinding Nemo, so and, is... uh, Hellboy sidekick too. Yeah. So is this more? <laughs> so is it more about the, the the creator of Hellboy or Hellboy itself? I think it's about the creator, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's basically about the creator. Yeah. So, it's so about what else? The you're, you're, the comic, you're the comic book nerd. What like Hellboy is his biggest property, or or what else did he do? Yeah, he's got Hellboy. He's also got BPRD, but he's also worked on quite a, a lot of other titles like uh, Batman. Uh, he does art on a bunch of other people's projects as well. Too. He collaborates with quite a few other people, but mm-hmm. he's primarily known for Hellboy. But And also because he has such an incredibly distinct style. He's got such a large fan base that um, when you look at the perks on here, it's basically the perks is just digital film access for $30. Or two two disc Blu-ray. There's no like Hellboy mugs. There's no other kinds of like side kind of perks they had to have because he's Mike Mignola is popular enough, and Gilmore de Toro is popular enough, and the worlds that they sort of collide with are popular enough that uh, they just got a bunch of people to give them cash right away for it. And they've already shot 80 hours of footage. They're doing more, and they're saying it should be out in 2022. So you got to wait about a year for it to come out, but mm-hmm. it's pretty much going to be a guaranteed thing that you'll get your product for it yeah, from what it I, looks like. Yeah, I mean, and that just goes to show they're having a person or an intellectual property or, or something that has an audience and a following. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, a perfect way to do it. Like that's how much they raise half a million dollars. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it just because people are interested in it, you, you market it properly, get it. I'd also assume that the other thing that a lot of these people do and you have to kind of do, and we've been doing too, is you got to get active on social media, find mm-hmm. groups and find places where people are chatting about this and get involved and tell them about your project. I mean, especially when it's a niche like that, 
or or like on on uh, the house of uh, the rotten flesh or whatever I was talking about. Like <laughs> yeah. you go into Thanksgiving mm-hmm. horror communities and, and start talking about the fact that you're doing the doing your doing your film. But you would find them online and talk about it. It becomes almost easy to to market. Just go find those groups online and, and and start talking to them about your project. But it goes to show what you can do if you do it right with with a project or a person that has a following. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so basically this, this documentary is about him just establishing his own kind of comics universe. That's cool. It's, 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 I mean, the mentality around that is, is, is pretty, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, you got to think like that, think like a universe. And I also think that filmmakers out there need to think beyond the one film. Cause I mean, so many people think of here's one project, but what does that yeah. one project mean to the next project? Are we doing a franchise? And we should talk about that in a future episode is, franchises like how do you like what are some of our favorite franchises and how are they leveraged because you think of ones like saw that you know a billion dollars based off an indie horror you know or yeah and and like how do you like you know how do you think like that but um yeah those are pretty cool and i do have one a quick recommend before we go uh i watched Mm -hmm. this again last night the movie sputnik this russian horror movie now i know that you're a big fan of sci-fi and horror this is a perfect collaboration between the two and it also sort of has like a little bit of a silence of lambs factor in it Mm -hmm. because this this uh russian uh cosmonaut in 83 him and his him and his um co-pilot they get attacked by this alien he survives the alien gets inside of his body and forms like a parasite symbiotic host relationship sort of like venom is you know with mm, with, yeah. uh, with with tom hardy in that movie or the comic character venom is with eddie brock and so they bring in this uh the military has sort of got this under control they want to use this creature as a weapon the creature comes out of his body but for about like an hour and 45 two hours at two hours at night so you see this guy just like vomiting up this creature it sort of emits these gas fumes knocks him out and it comes out of his body and they can sort of study this creature mm. they bring in this lady to uh, investigate him and sort of study him and ask him these questions. So this guy, he's, it sort of reminds me of like a little bit of a Hannibal Lecter kind of relationship where she's asking questions. This guy and this creature are becoming more and more alike uh, the longer that the creature stays inside of his body. And then it's all about like whether it's used as a, as a weapon or whatnot and whether this guy's going to die and whether they can escape. But it's a pretty awesome movie. It's done pretty straightforward. It's got some scary moments. Definitely worth checking out. I will definitely check it out and I will not get into it because we got to wrap up here pretty yeah. quick. But uh, that reminds me that I watched uh, army of the dead on. Uh, oh yeah. Netflix. We'll have to talk about that on the next episode. Yes. I think <laughs> there, there's much to talk about on army of the dead. I, there's it, it definitely raises a lot of, there's a lot of question marks about the yeah. film itself, mm-hmm. but also it's, it's, it was an interesting, it was an interesting interesting take for sure yeah yeah, we'll whole, definitely, it, yeah. It, 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 i think that'll be our radar film on the next episode because okay. like i was like afterwards i, I kind of turned it off and i thought to myself i need to talk with somebody about this i was like did i just see that what is that like why there, there's so <laughs> many like like question marks yeah i'm not sure i'm ready for zombies that are smart enough to have a relationship like the queen and the king did in there yeah yeah there's yeah there's all kinds of um yeah there's all kinds yeah. of stuff to go lots to lots to unpack with it so i think we'll save that for the next episode we'll unpack army of the dead although there were some pretty awesome scenes in it there's some pretty cool shit agree yeah there's good yeah. and bad about it yeah yeah okay so cool well we ripped through that one because we were on a bit of a time crunch if you couldn't tell but uh but yeah if all this stuff sounds good to you please Subscribe to the podcast uh, when you're uh, 
wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Dead Harvey. We should show up and subscribe there. It would mean a lot to us. Uh, also, you can go to deadharvey.com. Uh, there you can email us. You can subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social, any of that type of stuff. So we'd love to build our community because all the stuff we're talking about over this episode is is what we want to do. And what we want to do with our community is help all the indie filmmakers make more indie horror film. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's all I got for this week. Uh, any last words? Yeah, check out... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see how Kilroy comes along. But uh, um, check out Army of the Dead, I guess, and then follow up on the next episode with it. But definitely check out Sputnik. If you got Hulu, it's available on a couple of the platforms as well, too. But it'll be interesting to see how all this crowdfunding stuff pans out. Yeah, and then crowdfund- when James Bond comes out, no time to no time to premiere, I guess is what I'm calling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there. And until then, yeah, digital... Everything's going streaming. Figure out what an NFT is and if it works. And crowdfunding, whether or not those platforms exist, the stuff you can learn from making a successful campaign there are going to be resources that you need moving forward in this industry. And that's all I got. Uh, Until next week. Until next week. Mm